As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A video presentation of this program is available at Jonathan Van Bilsen's Photos and Travel on YouTube. Welcome to Photos and Travel, a show that introduces you to fascinating places around the world. Please welcome our host and tour guide, Jonathan Van Bilsen. Welcome to this episode. Today we're visiting the Southeast Asian country of South Korea. We'll explore beautiful Jeju Island, visit the mountains of Busan, discover the excitement of Seoul, and end up in the DMZ. We'll begin our adventure right after these messages. At Voss, your independent grocer, it's all about hometown living and shopping. Owned and operated by Port Perry's own Terry and Christine Voss, the independent grocer carries many local items to support our town and its residents. Pet Value has a fleet of services to help you and your pet live their very best lives. Visit Pet Value Port Perry for all of your pet's needs. Pet Value, your pet, your store. Welcome back. Korea was split in half after the war of 1950. The North is a communist dictatorship, but the South is an amazing place to visit. We begin our trip by flying into the southernmost island of Jeju. I met my guide, Jong Sil Oh, and we set out to explore this amazing island in the South China Sea. Jeju Island has a population of 600,000, two-thirds of which live in the two major cities. A very unique sight on Jeju is a mysterious road, also known as Goblin Road. It is an optical illusion discovered by a farmer who parked his car beside the road and suddenly it traveled uphill under its own power. I continued on trekking up to Mount Hallison, the tallest mountain in Korea, at 1950 meters or 6400 feet. It's an extinct volcano with various varieties of foliage, including this form of bamboo used in making hats and bags. This bridge crosses a river basin which appears dry. This is due to the volcanic rock beneath which absorbs the water. I came across these statues which are seen all over Jeju Island. They are known as Dal Harubangs and are made of volcanic rock and considered to be gods. They offer both protection and fertility and are placed outside gates to keep people safe against demons traveling between the living and the dead. Near the entrance to Mount Hala was the 1100 altitude wetlands protection area of Jeju Island. It is a famous trail among avid mountain hikers in Korea and travelers from outside the country. 
Along the trail, we see various indigenous plants and shrubs protected from trampling by wooden steps and bridges. I continued my visit of Siagwipu, the southern city on the island, with a stop at a unique alive museum, an interactive display housed inside this beautiful Greek-style complex. After a traditional Korean lunch, I stopped at the soccer stadium where the 2002 World Cup was hosted. We came across beautiful Jiangbang Waterfall, one of the few falls in the world where the water cascades directly into the ocean. Legend has it that a holy dragon lived underneath the falls and its spirit is contained in the water which can cure diseases. A one-hour trek along the coast took me to Owe Dolge Rock, also known as the Grandmother Rock. Legend has it Granny was waiting for her husband to return home from fishing, but he never did. She waited and waited and eventually turned into a rock. Her husband finally drifted by, saw her and rested beside her as seen by the smaller rock. The grass on top is representative of Grandma's hair. Being near the water, a visit to two landmark lighthouses known as the Eo Tesoro is a must. The red and white structures are representative of the famous Jeju ponies for which the island is known. Fishing boats were tied up after being out all night. They are outfitted with lights, enabling night fishing to take place. I made a quick stop at the Jiangneung Beach, one of the island's most picturesque beaches. With Biangdo Island, one of the nearly 3,400 islands off the coast of Korea, directly across from it. Jeju Island is well known for its ponies, which come from the Mongolian region. The Ma Horse Show is spectacular. It's an event which showcases skillful riders who seem to become one with their horses as they perform a historic tribute to the former dynasties of the island. Yakshiansa Temple is Jeju Island's second largest Buddhist complex and is quite spectacular. The main hall features a monumental statue of the Buddha and intricately carved dragons defend the pillars which support the temple. In the corridor surrounding the main hall are 80,000 gold Buddha statues representing the number of characters in the Buddhist scriptures. I came across Qianyeon waterfalls, one of three in the area. To get to the next waterfall, I walked along a half-kilometer path where I heard the majestic falls long before I saw it. Spanning this beautiful valley is the Sion Ningyo Bridge, which connects the waterfall with a pavilion built for visitors to rest and enjoy the area. The beautiful views of the valley below are stunning. I continued my adventure with a hike up Mount Geomorium, another of the many extinct volcanoes of Jeju Island. The 45-minute trek is quite steep and the wind as you near the top is incredible, but well worth the views. The history of Korea is fascinating and visiting Seonggyeop Folk Village is a great way to experience the customs and way of life handed down from generation to generation. Even the trees are an important part of the area's heritage as many are hundreds of years old. This particular one dates back to the 1400s. The Seonggyeop Folk Village shows the unique culture of Jeju Island including the black lava rock walls and the straight and sometimes curvy alleys which block the wind. 
Siong Son Ilshibong, or Sunrise Peak as it's known, has long been considered one of the top scenic destinations in Korea. It attracts millions of visitors each year, many of who climb to the top for the breathtaking panoramic views of the ocean. It takes about an hour, but the winds were so strong the trek was not recommended. This area is famous for the sea women who dive about 10 meters or 30 feet to catch dinner for their family. My next stop was amazing. The Manjangul Cave is the 12th longest lava tunnel in the world. Manjangul Cave was created between 200 and 300,000 years ago when a 456 meter or 1500 foot volcano erupted. The cave is actually a lava tube and is almost 9 kilometers or 5.5 miles long. Jeju Dongman traditional market is Jeju Island's largest and oldest permanent market. Established after the liberation from Japan in 1945, the entire market as well as the nearby area was reduced to ashes in a fire in 1954. The market was relocated to its current location and is popular for fresh seafood. I visited Jeju Makuana, the center of Jeju's politics, administration and culture since the Joseon dynasty. A fire after the Japanese occupation of Jeju destroyed most of the complex, however it was restored to its current state in 2002. It is now a beautiful place where the modern and traditional aspects of Jeju coexist. My last visit on Jeju Island was the Yongyeon Pond, also known as the Dragon Pond. It was formed by freshwater collecting at the end of a mountain valley before meeting the salty seawater. The pond is so deep the bottom cannot be seen. Legend has it, the pond was created by water raining down from a dragon that ascended to heaven. The legend has its roots in the dragon head rock nearby. I flew from Jeju Island to Korea's second largest city, Busan, with a population of 4.3 million. I met my guide, Hyejin, who was very experienced and excited about showing me her beautiful country. My first stop in Busan was the Gamcheon Cultural Village. It was built during the 1920s and 30s when the Busan City Administration decided to relocate its poor Korean population into an area secluded from the port yet close enough to provide labor. In the midst of the Korean War, about 800 families relocated here as this was the only area not occupied by the Communists when they invaded the South in 1950. When the refugees left, the area was taken over by artists. Because of the staircase fashion of construction and the fact that the houses are built on a steep hill, the area has been nicknamed the Machu Picchu of Busan. The best way to view the giant city of Busan is on the Busan Air Cruise, a 20-minute cable car ride which spans the entire harbor. Upon arrival at the top, I was surprised to find a beautiful park, complemented by many quaint and artistic sculptures, as well as a display of dinosaurs. Another great way to see Busan is from the Diamond Tower, built in 1973. At 120 meters or 400 feet, the observation deck features panoramic views of the city. At the base of the tower lies a park with commemorative statues and a traditional pavilion which houses a bell used every December 31st to welcome in the new year. 
Walking through the fish market of Busan certainly makes you aware that you're in a seaport city. Freshly caught fish, oysters, octopus, and numerous other sea creatures are tended to by stall owners while residents shop for their evening meal. Steeped in decades of history, Guke Market is the largest traditional market in Busan. It was established during the Korean War in 1950, and it was intended to be a place for refugees to set up shop in order to make a living. It soon grew into a thriving, popular market. The Korean War was a very integral part of history, and a visit to the United Nations Memorial Cemetery was a learning experience. The cemetery contains 2,300 graves, and it's the only United Nations cemetery in the world. Korea was occupied by Japan from 1910 until 1945, but at the end of World War II, the United States and the Soviet Union decided to sever the country into North and South Korea. North Korea was supported by China and the Soviets, while South Korea was reinforced by the United Nations, principally the United States. The war between the two factions began in 1950 and lasted three years. Busan, however, as I mentioned, was well fortified and never saw any fighting. After a very emotional visit, I left Busan, heading northward towards Jeonju, and stopped at Heidong Yongbusa Temple, built in 1376. Giant statues of zodiac figures lined the entranceway. Unfortunately, the temple was destroyed by fire during the Japanese invasion of Korea, but it was rebuilt in the early 1930s. This temple is one of three sacred places in Korea related to the goddess of Buddha. Its location, directly on the coast, makes wandering around this historical site a pleasurable experience. I continued exploring the southeast area and stopped at Bubuksa Temple. This Buddhist temple complex is made up of a series of wooden buildings on raised stone terraces. The stone terraces, bridges and two pagodas attest to the fine masonry work of the Shilla dynasty, which reigned from 57 BCE to 935 CE. A little further along, I climbed a picturesque path to the Siagburam Grotto, established in the 8th century. The Japanese, during the occupation, were amazed that the temple had been constructed without any cement or concrete. In an effort to discover this engineering feat, they dismantled the entire structure, but were unable to reassemble it without the use of a bonding agent. Instead, they used cement, but this caused humidity to build inside the temple requiring the need for constant dehumidifiers. I continued along the coast and came across the Wiljeonjeo Bridge, a reconstruction of the original which dated back to the mid-700s. The bridge is a stunning architectural example of the Shilla civilization, with its two floors painted in white, red and green. Crossing the bridge put me in the village of Jeongjusi, the capital of the ancient kingdom of Shilla. In the heyday of the 1,000-year rule, the metropolitan capital of Jeonjusi was the fourth largest city in the world. A vast number of archaeological sites and cultural properties from this period remain, and it's often referred to as a museum without walls. Jeju Island is just a wonderful place with so much to discover. The United Nations War Cemetery in Busan was steeped in history and quite emotional. I was also amazed at the beautiful temples in this Southeast Asian country. After these messages, we'll be back to explore more of South Korea. 
promotional products and apparel from PP Print will create a positive, lasting impression with customers that sets you apart from your competition. PP Print, where it's about your brand. Not all Canadians have the time nor desire to manage their finances, and often that responsibility is up to financial professionals. Our goal is to help Canadian families achieve a happy and successful financial future. Visit us, the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. Welcome back. In this half, we're going to head along the coast and go inland to the capital city of Seoul, as well as visit the DMZ. But first, I stopped at an amazing destination, the Dairy Yangwon Tomb Complex. This is the site of a massive archaeological excavation started in the 1970s. The large earthen mounds were suspected to hold the remains of people from ancient Korea. But when excavation began in 1973, it was realized there were more than 11,000 artifacts from all over Europe. Located near the tombs is Cheon Seongdae, an astronomical observatory in Jeonju, dating back to the 7th century. A visit to the National Museum of Korea is a must, especially the sunflower garden outside. The collections are amazing and the building itself is beautiful. On the grounds is another building which houses the oldest bell in the world, cast in 1468 and weighing upward of 18 tons. Jeonju Yangnong Village is Korea's largest traditional village, showcasing the conventional culture of the Joseon Dynasty. The entire village has been designated as a cultural heritage site and is comprised of 160 old houses and 500-year-old thatched roof cottages. Bongjongsa Temple is the oldest wooden structure in Korea and dates back to the 13th century CE. It was extensively repaired in 1972. Every day, Buddhist monks perform ceremonies open to anyone who wishes to pray. This is an oven used by the resident monks for burning clothes and disposing of waste. The oldest tree on the planet is the ginkgo tree, and this particular root is 440 years old. My next stop was Heiho Village, about 150 homes which date back to the 1400s. All the residents and servants in the village are descendants of two brothers and their wives who first settled there. The Shilla dynasty ruled until the end of the 9th century and united the entire country of Korea. They were followed for the next 400 years by the Goryeo dynasty until 1400, at which point the Joseon dynasty took over. They were in control of the country until the Japanese invasion of 1910. At 1,700 meters or 5,500 feet, a cable car is the only way to get to the top of Mount Siraksan. The remnants of Gwagyeongseong Castle are gone, and all that's left of this fortress are the fantastic views. It's located about 800 meters above sea level in the middle of the Siraksan National Park. Located at the base of the mountain in what is considered South Korea's most beautiful national park stands the Great Unification Buddha, the largest seated bronze Buddha statue in the world, at 14.5 meters or 50 feet high. The statue was built to symbolize the Korean people's hope for reunification of the North and South. The cost was 3.8 billion won, which is about 4 million US dollars. It took nearly 10 years to raise the funds, and construction was completed in 1997. 
Located next to the Great Buddha statue is the Sinhayongsa Temple, believed to have been constructed around 600 CE. For nearly 1,000 years, the temple flourished until it was eventually destroyed by a fire in 1642. According to myth, a silver-haired deity appeared to the monks and said, if you build a temple here, it'll never be damaged from any major disasters. The monks rebuilt the temple on that spot, and it has stood unharmed to this day. I continued our trek heading inland for our visit to Korea's capital city of Seoul, and was met by my guide, Soe Han. Seoul proper has a population of 10 million people, but with the surrounding area, that number rises to 22 million. The Han River splits the city in half. The northern part is the old city, whereas the southern half was created by the government to move people out of the congested downtown area. One of the most scenic areas in Seoul is Nami Island, purchased in the 1960s by a wealthy businessman. It was originally a desert island with no trees. The owner decided to begin planting various varieties of foliage and today it is an amazing park-like property accessible by a 10-minute ferry ride. Because there are no natural trees, it was decided that foliage from different countries around the world would be used. When developing the island, the owners of the property found many discarded bottles in the sand. They decided to put them to use by recycling them into monuments, bridges and the construction of buildings such as bathrooms. Today, the entire island has been transformed into an artist colony with many small buildings, all designed by local artists. My next stop was a picturesque tourist village called the Italian Town or Petite Village. It opened in May of 2022 and is an upgraded theme park featuring the story of Pinocchio, coupled with the accomplishments of Leonardo da Vinci. This village, along with another attraction, Petite France, which we'll see shortly, was the brainchild of a wealthy businessman who wanted to bring Italy and France to the people of Korea. The tribute to Leonardo da Vinci showcases his art and inventions. A laneway leads you from Italy to the village of Petite France, a cute French cultural village. The theme of Petite French is centered around the famous French novel, The Little Prince. There are several souvenir shops, cafes, special galleries, and museums, and many of the buildings are furnished with original French antiques. It was a fun place to stroll around and see a different take on European traditions. The next day I headed out to explore Seoul, starting with the Jeyong Bakgung Palace, the first and largest of the royal palaces built during the Joseon Dynasty. Built in 1395, the palace was located at the heart of the newly appointed capital of Seoul. The Korean government has invested much time and effort into rebuilding, restoring and maintaining the palace for future generations. I was fortunate to view the changing of the guard ceremony, a very colorful event. In the 19th century, all of the palace's 7,700 rooms were restored under the leadership of Prince Regent Hyung Sion. Some 500 buildings were restored on a site of over 40 hectares, or 100 acres. The traditional culture of Korea is represented in the streets of Insadong. Prior to the Japanese invasion, this area was home to artists and painters. In the 1930s, shops began selling paper, old books, writing tools, and more. 
Soon, stores carrying antiques and old paintings followed. Never tiring of markets, the Guangjiang Market is a traditional street market in Seoul. It is one of the oldest and largest markets in South Korea, with more than 5,000 shops and 20,000 employees, all in an area of 42,000 square meters or 450,000 square feet. Approximately 65,000 people visit the market each day. In the early years, the market only sold agricultural and seafood products. But today, there are approximately 2,000 vendors selling fruit, vegetables, meat, fish, clothing, and textiles. There are also many restaurants and food stalls selling traditional Korean cuisine. But the market is most famous for its mung bean pancakes. These sought-after delicacies are made by grinding soaked mung beans, adding vegetables and meat, and pan-frying it into a round, flat shape. I continued my visit of Seoul with a stop at the Dojiesa Temple, which dates back to the late 14th century. It plays a leading role in the current state of Buddhism in South Korea. When I arrived, they were preparing the grounds for the Chrysanthemum Festival, where statues are decorated with thousands of mums of all color. Chiangwa Day, which is also known as the Blue House, served as the executive office and official residence of the president from 1948 to 2022. The new president of Korea has decided to move his office and residence to a more secure premise, which means the presidential palace and grounds are now open to the public. The entire complex covers 250,000 square meters or 62 acres. Chiangwa Day was built on the site of the Royal Garden of the Joseon Dynasty. While the Blue House served as an executive office, it was one of the most protected official residences in Asia. Upon the inauguration of President Yoon suk yeol in May of 2022, the grounds of Chiangwa Day were converted into a public park. On my last day in Seoul, I made the 45-minute trip to visit the Demilitarized Zone, or DMZ, as it is commonly known. The area is located 65 kilometers or 40 miles north of the city, making it extremely close to its not-so-friendly neighbor. The DMZ is a four-kilometer stretch of land which cuts the entire country in half. North and South Korea patrol two kilometers on each side of the border in an area which is fenced and heavily guarded. I stopped at the third of four tunnels built by the North Koreans in an effort to send their special forces to attack the South. The tunnel was discovered by the South Koreans in 1978 and consequently it's blocked. If it was allowed to be completed, it would be capable of sending 30,000 troops per hour into South Korea. Unfortunately, there's no photography allowed in the tunnel. Cameras, cell phones, and anything electronic have to be left behind before entering. The walk into the tunnel is about 250 meters or 820 feet and very, very steep. When you arrive at the bottom, you are 30 stories lower than when you entered. I was able to see North Korea, including this tower, which blocks all communication coming in from the south. The border between the two Koreas is the most heavily guarded border in the world, and visiting it makes you realize how volatile the area is. I returned to Seoul in time to visit the Lotte Tower, the highest building in the country and the fifth highest in the world. I was whisked up 123 stories to an observation deck with spectacular views.
My adventure in Korea was amazing and such a learning experience. From beautiful Jeju Island in the south to the eastern coast with spectacular temples and villages. Seoul was amazing and visiting the DMZ was an ominous experience. For photos and travel, I'm Jonathan Van Bilsen. It's been my pleasure to be your tour guide today and I look forward to our next adventure. If you enjoyed this program, please click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Want to know what's happening in Skugog? News and lifestyle, changes in business, and all the entertainment information you'll ever need. Plus, each edition has a new photos and travel article. Look for your next copy in your mailbox. As our communities begin the slow road to reopening, there are still issues needing closure. In these crazy times, let us be a roadmap to community events and issues we face together. The Standard Newspaper.ca, raising the standard in our community. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review to get all episodes of Photos and Travel. Follow Photos and Travel on social media for extra content and stunning photography from around the world. Photos and Travel episodes are produced by Xform Media. To contact us, please email info at photosandtravel.com. We endeavor to make all information contained within this program as accurate as possible at production time. Consult local, national, and international authorities before making any travel plans. Photos and Travel and x Media are not responsible for any liabilities resulting from information contained in this program. For more information, please visit photosandtravel.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.